We're talking drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Talking Drums, the podcast where we talk to drummers about drum stuff. And that's it. If you're a bass player, please turn this off right now. You're not allowed, okay? No bass players. I'm just kidding. But not really. First off, I want to give a big thank you to Los Cavos Drumsticks for all the support over the years. We're heading into the third year of the podcast. And Phil and everybody at Los Cabos, you have been amazing. So thank you. Thank you very much. I personally play the 2B White Hickory Sticks. I love them. I love the weight, the feel. It makes my blast beats even easier to play. Easier is not the right word, but it makes that snare really pop and all my hits clean and heavy. If you are looking for a very durable stick, I highly suggest the Red Hickory line. A lot of the big hitters play them and absolutely love them. So check out Los Cabos Red Hickory line. I would suggest the Rock Sticks or the 2Bs if you are a heavy hitter. They are absolutely sick. So check those out. Secondly, big high five to all our Patreon subscribers. You guys are excellent. Thank you very much. And if you feel the need to support this podcast in a financial manner, it's only $2 Canadian a month. That is it. Just a toonie. And it helps out so much. Just knowing that I have your support. Continue this podcast if you guys like these episodes, then it is greatly appreciated. And thank you very much. Head over to patreon.com backslash we're talking drums. You can find the link in the show notes. Lastly, my band Lotharo has a podcast called Live Laugh Lotharo, where we talk about band stuff, touring, all kinds of random ass stories, and it's just a fun time. So if you're into bands just chatting about random stuff, getting into arguments, you know, just being general idiots on camera, then you know what? Head over. Uh, All the links will be in the show notes, but you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, any streaming service there. Uh, That's Live Laugh Lotharo Podcast. So check it out. Okay, now... Let's talk about our guest for today. My guest today was Brody Taylor Smith, who has been the touring drummer for a number of years for the band Invent Animate. You know what? These guys are absolutely sick. They're awesome. They have a headlining tour in September and October that I'm seeing like low tickets uh, and and sold out shows coming through. Like it is so sick for these dudes. Highly suggest uh, grabbing tickets now and seeing them if they are even reasonably close to where you live. Check that out. Uh, in this episode, we discuss tour life, uh, eating habits on the road, you know, generally, uh, stuff that you do 
to make sure that you can perform properly because a lot of people kind of just don't think about that. They think, oh, touring is so much fun. Everything's like, actually, it's like a lot of work to make sure that you can perform every night. So we kind of talk about that type of stuff. And of course, everybody's favorite thing, pedal settings. So you can play the fastest double bass imaginable. All right. We talk about all kinds of other stuff. I will let you guys get into this one. Here's my conversation with Brody Taylor Smith. Brody Taylor Smith, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm good, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Um, you enjoying it? It's like it's Sunday. I don't know how much days of the week matter to you. I don't know if you work a nine to five or anything. But like Sundays are always like a relaxing day, you know. It's it's a nice day out in Hamilton here, so you know. You do you in, enjoy your Sundays, your weekends? Is it like a nice day off for you, or are you still like just hammering down on the kit every day? Yeah, it's kind of just another day. Um, I got home from tour maybe about two weeks ago, so I've been relaxing a little more than I would normally, but um. I got my drum set back up a little while ago. I got a new snare recently, so I've been messing around on that a good bit. But um, yeah, right now, it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is, I guess. So just another day. But it is a nice day. It's nice out. It's warm, which I like. So yeah, things are good. Yeah, man. I had the same thing. I got home from tour about four weeks ago. And the first two weeks I was home, it was like I wasn't really like working a day job or anything like that yeah. and it was just like the day of the week didn't matter you know exactly. you're just trying to like get back in like into society you know, know. As, as a, a normal human being again um yeah my, I, i've had it oh my bad go ahead no i was just gonna say uh i played a, a one-off show like a hometown show last night and so it was the first show since tour and okay. I, normally I'm not a big fan of playing one-off shows. It's Same. like, I want to go on tour, do that, come home and do regular life shit. Um, My whole thing with, with one-off shows is like, for me at least, I have to put the, the same amount of preparation time in. Like, mm -hmm. It's not yeah. like I'm going to learn the set less tight than I would for tour. You know what I mean? Like, I have right. to work just as hard to get ready for one show as I would for a whole tour. So yeah, that's my main thing with one-off shows. I'm like, I don't want to do all this work and then play one set then I'm done, you know, unless it's a set I already know, but I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a different kind of a mindset that you have to be in. Cause you just go home after instead of staying out on the road. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to load gear back into the space. And know, so it's like, yeah. I'm not getting home till 3 a.m. I'm like, oh. mm -hmm. and since it's like a local show, the promoter wanted everything pushed back so he could have people at the bar drinking longer. It's just like, ah. But the one nice thing about it was, I don't know if you get the post-tour blues, but... Yeah. Yeah, like you're probably, you know, hopefully getting it over a little bit now, two weeks, you know, but like it, after six weeks on the road, I got home. Day one was excellent. And then mm -hmm. after that, it was just downhill. I've uh, had it, I've had it go different ways, different, after different tours. Um, mm -hmm. Normally, like the first couple days, once I'm home, I'm like so stoked. I unpack and like set my drums back up and whatever. And it's, I enjoy being home, you know, but, um, yeah, normally 
depending on like how quickly I get back into like a workflow here at home. Um, cause my home life kind of revolves around like the main work I do is like I program drums a lot and transcribe drums a lot. And then, I mean, I've been touring a lot more over the past year or two. So preparing for tours kind of, it's all drum related, you know? So, um, but sometimes like I was saying a minute ago, if I get home from tour and I spend a little too much time kind of just chilling out and get, getting back into the swing of things, I feel like I, I, de- I definitely get a little bit depressed. I'm like, what am I doing? But then once, once I force myself back into a schedule, I'm like, okay, things are fine. But, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much it. But like just doing this one show, it was like, okay, it, it, it kind of released like something a little more like, you know, just going up there, getting mm-hmm. to play an hour set, uh, and all the people that were there, like, haven't seen us play in almost a year now, like, a lot of friends and family and stuff like that, so it was it was really nice, and I went into it like, ah, I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it was actually but, a good one. Okay, yeah, it actually dope. turned out, like, pretty awesome, feeling really Sweet. good today, so, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I, I definitely just want to go back on tour. I wish we were playing again tonight. But you know, right? Yeah, you said that show was last night. Yeah, yeah, last night. Okay, well, dope. And yeah. and that's the same band that you were just on tour with, right? Yeah. So it, we were playing the same set. Um, okay. So like, as far as preparation, you know, is very minimal. We usually jam once or twice a week, regardless, mm-hmm. uh, just to keep our chops up and everything. And we have a new album that we're working on, so it's like that. That's like set for release for next year. Um, so like we're trying to relearn all those songs as well. Right. (laughs) Cause you know, like when you're in the studio, things change a lot from when you wrote them sometimes. So yeah, we're, we're always playing. So the preparation for the show wasn't anything out of the norm, but, uh, yeah, just playing, playing. It was nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of tours, um, you've had quite the year already. Because like you guys were in Europe at the beginning mm-hmm. of the tour, right? Uh, with Era, Silent Planet, and Sentinels. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Dave Rucky, uh, we're talking drums alum. Sweet dude. Love that mm-hmm. guy. I love that guy. I was texting him the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah dude. Oh, man, he's such a sick drummer. Like, he's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's the dude. man. Yeah, absolutely. And then you guys um, had some stuff in the States. You guys are out with Currents, and then you were also out with Bad Omens and Air as well? Yeah, that's right. So in February, March, we did Europe, mm-hmm. that tour you mentioned, and then went home for a little bit. Then like all of May and June, we it was like we did part of this Currents headlining tour. It was Currents and Like Moths to Flames. And then like we did like four shows of that, and then we did like a two week tour with bad omens and era. And then after that, we hopped back onto the currents headliner and finished that tour with them. So it's like, we did maybe like eight shows with currents and then about 12 with bad omens. So for us, it was like a full tour, but we got to get the best of both worlds and do both lineups. So that was fun. That's super sick, man. And like, yeah, bad omens is like gotten massive. Yeah. Over the last those- few years. Those shows were some of the biggest I've ever played. One of them may have been the biggest I've played. It's hard to know sometimes. Um, yeah. But they were all huge. And also it being like a three-band bill, um, it was super relaxing. And, you know, we're already really tight with the era guys. And uh, 
don't know. It was just really fun and cool. And the new Invent Animate album came out pretty recently, so there's been some cool buzz around that. So all the shows have just been dope. It's yeah, been that's sick. Dude, three band bills are the best on tour. That's the only time I've done it. That was the first <sighs> three band bill that i've ever toured on so uh yeah, yeah. i loved it it was the best <laughs> yeah our last run through the states it was three band bill. i think that's the only time we we've done a three band bill as well no right no I, I think i did one before in like 2015 as well okay but we were there's the first time i like opened a bill and it was just so nice to like do your sound check have everything set up and you yeah. just walk up on stage like i love i love being the opening band for that reason mm -hmm. um like i'm so ocd about my setup and making sure everything's good to go i hate like sharing a kit stuff like that like during changeover i'm always like the most stressed out guy on stage but um so being being able to either either headline and already have everything backlined or open and your kit's already set up to me is just so um, smooth and comfortable because I can warm up and then just walk out on stage and everything's good to go, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, Dude, I, yeah, I love that. I shared a kit um, with the band after us, uh, Glory Hammer, but me and him play the exact same setup. So oh, that's as easy. far as like the drums are concerned, it was the same. And then I would just help him adjust all the cymbals into place. Right. Right. Yeah. So his cymbal setup was slightly different, but mm -hmm. like it really wasn't that bad we need to move any of the drums or rearrange anything like that so it worked out that's perfectly. super convenient yeah yeah in europe we always have to share a kit so um mm -hmm. i shared a kit with dave from sentinels on that mm -hmm. tour i mentioned so uh yeah. he made it easy because him and i are both super nerdy about stuff so we kind of memorized each other's setup so we could help really quick every day um but yeah i don't know it's just for me at least it's just so easy when I have all my own stuff, everything's set up the same way it was yesterday and I can, I know it's going to be consistent. So, uh, I prefer it for sure, but I, I make it work when I have to, you know? Yeah. Consistency is key on a tour, but like I've done tours where we use, we've had to, with like super small shows in Europe and stuff where we have to use like yeah. house kits or it's like you're sharing with the opening band and you don't know what you're walking into. And it just is, it's always uncomfortable on stage. There wasn't a single night that I was actually comfortable. You I know? hate that. Like it's, it's the worst. You just got to do your best. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's something, it's something I wish I didn't have to deal with. Um, maybe one day if I, if I get a drum deal, you know, I can get my specs like shipped out to each show or whatever. Um, maybe someday, but yeah, I've, I haven't had to do that recently. Like in Europe, yeah, I had to share a kit, but it was the same kit every day, you know? Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. years ago, right before COVID, I did five shows in Mexico with a band, and it was like, it was a different kit every day. And like you mm -hmm. said, a lot of the time, it was like the local band came and brought their kit. Yeah. And that's, it was three bands, and the band I was playing for was the opener. So I often got like the worst drum situation versus yeah. the headlining bands. But, um, but that's how it is. And we're going to Australia in about a month, and I think it's going to be similar. May probably better than that, but it will be a different kit every day, so it's going to be yeah. tough. Well, Australia, most of the time you're like flying to each show, yeah. right? Because everything's yeah, that, that's so why. far apart. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you can't have a van and bring all the same stuff to each show, so that's kind of why it's going to be a little more renting on that tour, but I think we'll make it work. Yeah, but Australia's sick. 
So yeah, I've never been. I'm, I'm excited. I, I haven't either. It's my one that in Japan are my like bucket Same. list places to play. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully one day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. All right. So moving on from that, um, I'm curious. How did you get started playing drums? What age did you start? Or did you take lessons? Like, what's kind of your backstory on how you got into playing? drums as your main instrument okay um yeah my dad always had me or both my parents always had music on in the house but my dad was into a lot of metal stuff mainly like classic like metallica black sabbath slayer stuff like that and also uh like rush that's like a huge band for me Mm -hmm. um and he got me into all that stuff pretty early on and then maybe when I was like, well, I got a drum kit, I think when I was seven for Christmas, it was like a super, like, like a toy drum kit basically. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of messed around on it, broke a lot of pieces and then kind of stopped caring for a couple of years. And then when I was nine or 10, I, uh, started messing around on it again. I had been listening to music a lot more. I think I got like my first iPod and my dad put a bunch of sick stuff on there. And I, I specifically remember playing along to some Slayer stuff on that old drum kit and trying to figure it out on my own. And then started talking more with my parents about it. And we got some more pieces for it and fixed it up a little bit. Um, so that's when I like really started playing, I guess, when I was about 10 years old. And um, funnily enough, my mom actually played drums. And um, she was never like crazy serious about it, but she would play at church and she like played in a local band when she was in college and stuff like that. So she had an old kit that, you know, at the time I was seven, it was probably too big for me. But once I did start playing more around 10 years old, she uh, brought that old kit downstairs and I started playing on that one. Um, so yeah. And my, my dad's a guitarist as well. Same thing, not super pro, but he loves music and is, you know, passionate about it. So yeah, I was, super fortunate to have you know parents that really gave a shit and were just stoked that i was stoked you know what i mean yeah um so it was never a thing about like i don't know they never discouraged me from playing and i always felt comfortable about it um so yeah around then 10 years old started middle school kind of i was like all about it forever i like instantly was just like this is what i'm gonna do um then maybe around like but i will say like i wasn't like practicing like crazy i was playing along to songs constantly listening to music constantly but um i feel like it wasn't until i was like 16 or 17 that i started being like okay i need to like get fucking serious and i started you know focusing on technique and playing to a metronome stuff like that Mm -hmm. but um i never took lessons or anything and that's not me bragging. I can't, part of me wishes that I had. Um, I did like concert band in middle school and high school. So that did for sure help me a little bit. That's when I first read sheet music, um, stuff like that. But um, yeah, around like 16 years old is when I started like really like practicing appropriately, I would say. Um, and yeah, and then I started playing in different bands I like my first band was with my friend Brandon, um, who was a high school friend we met freshman year. So like 2013, um, and that was like a death metal band and 
those were like the first shows I played. And then a band called Seder, which was my like main band for a long time. That was also formed like right out of high school with a high school friend. Um, that's more of like a proggy kind of post hardcore heavy kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like somehow the first two band, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say somehow, but both those bands came out of high school, like people that I knew at that exact school. And I feel like both bands were more serious than a lot of people's first local bands, you know? So I'm definitely lucky that I had friends that were kind of like-minded with that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. And then I, I just kept playing a bunch with different bands, started touring in like 2018. Um, yeah, that's the gist of it. I would say. Awesome, man. It's super cool because like, a you started out with like your parents growing up playing Sabbath and like heavy yeah. music. So it was kind of natural for you to fall into for sure. that genre. And then with both of them being musicians, obviously they're going to be crazy supportive of you mm-hmm. wanting to be a drummer. So like just everything just, I don't think you stood a chance. Like you, <laughs> you were just like meant to do this for a living. So yeah. I've had it easy for sure. Um, sometimes I wonder like it, how, or if I would have gotten into it if it wasn't for my parents. So yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude. And like, I never took lessons either. And I'm the same way that I wish I did. Yeah. Like I've, I've taken two lessons like just within the last couple of years, just with like drummers that I respect and, you know, like they are kind of my friends and stuff. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, these guys are sick. Like I want to learn something, you know, and literally start from the basics. Cause I, I just never did lessons or really practice rudiments or anything until more recently when I like hit a wall and I'm like, if I'm going to get past this, I got to start from the beginning and move forward. Like, you know, figure out all like the small, like small stuff and, and hand exercise and everything. If I'm going to like get to be able to do blast beats at like 260, you yeah. know, cause that's, that's the goal. Always. <laughs> you always want to blast yeah, faster. Yeah, everybody but... wants to play at 260, you know? Yeah. 260, yeah. 300, I've... 400 now. <laughs> like, I don't know what the guys, what the max tempo is in death metal these days, but dude that that shit's hard but yeah I, I feel you though um yeah i mean i think it also just takes being like curious and you know doing your own research i feel like like i'm not advocating for not taking lessons um but i do think now more than ever there's just so much info online like so many like i feel like i've learned so much just from watching millions of videos of my favorite drummers play mm-hmm. or watching or listening to interviews like this of my favorite drummers and just you know hearing them talk about stuff I've like when it comes to my favorite drummers I feel like I've you know watched every interview that I can find of them and I feel like if you are like that you are going to learn a lot from that um and again I'm not saying don't take lessons but I do feel like now more than ever you can like get, go pretty far just from like all the free um, info and stuff out there on the, on the internet, you know, it's, it's easier now more than ever. Oh, definitely, man. The amount of YouTube tutorials and everything like that. And everyone's just like, Oh, like just practice this, this, this. And if you're, if you're smart about it and you take little bits from 
each person because everybody learns differently and everybody's muscles react in different ways. So you have to like really be conscious of what is working for you and what's not working. Yeah. You know, you can't just, there's no one set way to do things and that's it. So that's, that's a big part. But if you're, if you're motivated and like for me, when I watch like drum videos of like Alex Rudinger, it gets me pumped to want to get better. Exactly. Then, That's the guy I was basically talking about when it. Right. Like, I've watched. Yeah. I've watched every single Alex Rudinger video, and and before I got to know him, I listened to every Alex Rudinger interview, and I feel like a lot of people will like notice his style in my playing sometimes, and that's just from like me. I don't know, especially at a younger age, like kind of modeling my playing after him. Um, and yeah, I never took a lesson with him or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. There's just it's just very easy to like be influenced by different stuff and really learn a lot from it just by watching and listening, you know. Oh, absolutely. Even just like how he's holding the stick exactly. while he's doing certain blasts or fills and stuff like that. It makes me more conscious when I'm playing on how I'm holding things, the way my fingers are sitting, how tightly I'm gripping the sticks and yeah. you know, like all of that. Cause a lot of the times you can get lost in it and you just want to play really fast or you just, right. you know, you're just trying to get through it. But if you just like kind of relax within your brain and really concentrate on how the smaller muscles are moving and everything like that, you can get more tapped into being able to play faster or faster or um, having more dynamics in your playing and everything just by like focusing in on those small little details. Exactly. And I feel like that's one of the coolest things about the internet and just the like vast amount of resources you have nowadays. Um, Because yeah, Alex Rudinger specifically and other drummers like him, that's the reason I started um, like hitting rim shots on the snare mm. and like trying to hit really consistently and powerfully started playing to a click stuff like that was from both watching those videos and then like listening to those guys talk online about how they do things and it's like oh this is like what you're supposed to do like I think it was an Alex Rudinger Q&A thing when I was in like 10th grade or something where I first started thinking about like oh I should change my drum heads um <laughs> You know, I'd never changed my drum heads before. And I was like, oh, I want my drums to sound better. I'm going to change the heads and I'm going to, you know, hit the drums really hard because I want it to sound like that, you know, because I feel like a lot of people, they'll see somebody in a video where it sounds really good and they're just like, oh, what mic is that? You know, which surely matters. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like the main thing is, you know, how you're playing, Um, like analyze the player before you're thinking about like, okay, I need to buy all this shit Um, because that just goes so far in my opinion just how you play how you tune the drums and then how you record it and engineer it and mix it and all that stuff um there's a lot of factors for sure but that's kind of the last thing is is the like engineering side of things because you can just stick a mic anywhere and if the guy knows how to hit a drum it's it's gonna pick that up it's gonna you know it's gonna sound way better if the the player it knows what he's doing yeah. No matter how you you mic up a kit, if if a drummer is not hitting a drum properly, it's still going to sound kind of shitty. Yeah. So, to me, like the the two biggest factors are like 
who's playing the drums and then who's mixing the drums. Um, and yes. then after that, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what drum is it? What mic is it? Where are you placing the mic? Etc. Yeah. cetera. But, uh, what, what heads you're using? Do yeah. the drum sizes match what tones you're looking to get? Like yeah. so many different factors. Uh, okay. So speaking of um, drums, sizes, everything like that, I was watching uh, one of your Mino videos, um, which fucking awesome. I Thank you. That's so sick that uh, you got to do some playthroughs with Mino because their playthroughs are always fucking amazing and yeah you i'm thrilled it. about it thank yeah, you man yeah they look and sound incredible yeah so. those are the, the best videos i've ever been in best drum videos ever for me yeah so yeah i'm, I'm thrilled about it for sure were you, were you nervous going into recording that because i yeah i know that they don't edit any any of their stuff as far as I, I am aware, like there's no editing of the drums or anything like that. So it's like, you got to go in and fucking nail it perfectly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was definitely nervous. Yeah. Luckily, um, they're based in Nashville or in the U S their headquarters is in Nashville and I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's mm-hmm. like a four hour drive for me. So I was still able to bring my own kit, all that stuff. Cause a lot of the guys in those videos are playing on like a backline kit. And, um, luckily, like I said, it's in Nashville and there's tons of resources there when it comes to live music and stuff like that. But they let me just bring my own kit. And, uh, so I was super comfortable, but yeah, I was totally nervous. But, um, as soon as the, as soon as I got there, Chris, my artist rep, he's like the nicest guy and they're all super comforting. Not that I was freaking out or anything, but like they made me feel very comfortable right away um everybody there was super nice and yeah super professional too and uh yeah we just had a good workflow and knocked it out it was all just really really simple and good yeah it was fun yeah man so if anybody listening has not seen them there will be links in the show notes to you did two videos I did four actually. Four, okay. Well, I did four playthrough videos um, of Invent Animate songs, and then we also did like a like a rig setup rundown video, which they they haven't done a lot of that, but um, they were kind of yeah. trying it with me. Um, so yeah, five technically five videos. Five that videos. You can find all on right. YouTube. I will put yeah. all the links to all five videos <laughs> in the show notes, so make sure you go check them out. They are fucking sick. Sweet. Um, Thank you. When I was watching that though, I noticed that you're using Evans heads mm-hmm. on everything. Uh, G2s on top and yep. G1 for Rezo on the toms. Yeah. Which is my. That's exactly what I always use. Yeah, it's my like, go-to. That's kind of a, the standard for sure yeah yeah i i don't like like even the uv ones and stuff like that i stay away from or any coded has its place in a <laughs> yeah. for certain bands not for anything i play yeah I've, I've used i mean i use a coded head on my snare always of and course i like the, i yeah. like the uv1 and the uv2 is cool as well um sometimes i'll have coded heads on my toms still g2s normally um yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah for what for how i play and the style that i play clear g2s just a good two-ply head like that yeah they're Sounds great really good nice yeah. and punchy you get the natural tone of the drum and yeah i love them and then you're using the uh st on the snare is that always your go-to 
It has been for a long time. Um, on this last tour, I tried that newer um, heavyweight dry head, the one that Matt Halpern kind of helped develop. I love it. Um, I did the same yeah. thing. I, I bought one because I love the HD dries. Like, yeah. that's usually my go-to. But with a longer tour, I was like, ah, I'm going to try the heavyweight dries. And I just saw them. I was like, sick. I love it. Like, it, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it, it was cool. Um, I think we changed it like halfway through the tour, something like that. I also tried a uh, power center reverse dot, which is kind of similar to like a remote controlled sound. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's kind of better. Um, yeah, so I've, I've tried a bunch of different heads. I like the ST a lot, but um, I'm always kind of messing around with different stuff. Yeah, that's the fun part, like just trying new things. I know I, I've gone, I, I kind of stick with the HD dry and I always have one. Every now and again, I'll go in and I'll try something new or I'll talk to Evans and be like, do you have any stuff coming out or recently released that, you know, I can yeah. try out? Because it, I'm always loving trying new stuff to see the difference uh, in tones that it, it'll change my snare and between them. Because uh, right. I had one session using HD dry and then just going to the heavyweight dry is such a different tone to it. Yeah, like it's vastly different. I'd, both sound absolutely amazing, you know, especially with a brass snare. Like, can't go wrong. Yeah, the, the heavyweight's just a lot thicker, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. I like it because sometimes I don't love the thickest heads, but that one is pretty dope, I think. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I love about Evans though, is that they're always innovating. And I feel like that's what kind of puts them at the top when it comes to the different drum head brands out there, because Evans is always putting new stuff out like every year. And I feel like the other companies or some of them at least just have what they have. And you know, that's, that's about it. Yeah. But I think Evans is dope. I've always been an Evans guy, like always across the board. I love them. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I've done, gone to tried some Remo stuff every now and again. I'll like try a snare head, like an emperor or something like that. I'm just like, ah, no. Also, also like this is an underrated, um, aspect, but I love like the Evans aesthetic as well. Like I love their branding. Yeah. Like all the, all the red stuff. Um, cause they kind of changed it up maybe like six years ago or something. Like they changed the logo. It used to have the circle around it. Um, Mm -hmm. and now it's just the straight Evans logo, which I think looks dope. And then all the stuff is red and all their social media is really cool. I, I admire that a lot with different companies. I think that's what's dope about Minel as well. They have like a really consistent kind of social media presence. And I think Evans is also on top of their game with that. And yeah, I just like that company a lot. Yeah, I, I'm always uh, drawn to Minel because of that. I love yeah. the aesthetic. I love the look of their symbols, too. It matters, just, you know? Uh, Especially if you're on tour and stuff. Um, I don't know, like, you need your stuff to look good. Obviously, like, the sound is the most important thing. And then, like, when it comes to endorsements and stuff, like, your relationship with the company matters a ton, too. But um, but the social media presence plays into that a lot as well. You know, you like those minor videos I did with them help me a lot just like they they help them by you know giving them more content to post um i don't know not not all companies do stuff like that so i i really value just the whole aesthetic and like marketing of different brands out there for sure mm-hmm. as much as i admire you know the the general quality of the the product and all that you know 
Yeah, I'm trying to push uh, Mapex to start doing that for all their Canadian artists. Because mm. uh, I, I play for Mapex, and I'm just like, ah, you know, like, I'll, I'll get bands into my studio, and we'll film, and we'll do everything, you know, in-house, and just start releasing playthrough videos for all the Canadian artists, you know, Dope. because it'll... It'll help the artists. It'll help the brand. It's always yeah. more content and everything like that. So yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'll, I'm gonna have to chat with my my artist rep about that again, and uh, see if we can set something up since I'm home for a little bit here. Yeah, I so. think you totally should. I, I feel like artist reps love when their drummers are down to put stuff together like that. You know, it, it helps them a ton for sure. Yeah. Do you do any clinics at all? Have you ever dabbled in that? You know, I was going to do one just about a year ago. Um, it was during the first ever tour I did with Invent Animate, which was like exactly a year ago. I was going to do one with my friend, Steven Sanchez. If you know who that is, he drums for the band Angel Maker. Yeah. He's like one of the best in that whole deathcore scene, in my opinion. But um, him and I were going to do one like together, like the two of us in philly and uh it got canceled for whatever reason my friend was putting it together and then uh, i think something came up so i was gonna do one i was stoked about it but um unfortunately didn't happen so yeah i would i would like to um i definitely don't want to only you know play in one band only record with them only tour with them i mean i'm it's definitely more comfortable and i i enjoy sticking to one band for the most part but i am very into you know session stuff and like you know, drum like drum focused stuff as well, and being nerdy about stuff. So um, I would love to do a clinic at some point, or start doing them more often. But um, I was definitely nervous leading up to that one that got canceled, though. So um, yeah, part of me was a little relieved, maybe like okay, I have more time yeah. to get ready because it would have happened while I was on tour. So mm -hmm. it it was going to be kind of a lot to juggle, but it got canceled regard regardless. So oh well, you're gonna have to reschedule it now, man. I know it's Come been on. a year. We got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like I, I, I've kind of been talking to my artist rep about doing them, but every time he offers me some dates, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm on tour like that entire yeah. month. Like yeah. May is drum month at our like Long McQuaid, which is our big um, music store retailer right. here, and so it was like May or October. And I'm like, those are like the two busiest months for touring for me right, right yeah. now. And I'm like, can we, can we not work it out another time? Like, but even just like the thought of booking it, I get, I get kind of nervous about it. Like I excited, but also nervous at the same time, you know, like it's, yeah, like I mean, group of people a... just staring at you playing drums. It's different than being, with a band on stage, exactly right. You have you're, all the you're other, the focus, right? Like it's like you're you're the front it. man now. Yeah, you're the front man, and we're drummers for a reason here. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, and everybody in the audience is also a drummer. So yes, every every little mm -hmm. detail I know they're gonna notice. And then I feel like clinics. You know, there's always a lot of um, talking as well, and you're kind of trying to like teach something. There's always like a topic. Um, so stuff like that, yeah, I would really want it to be put together as well as I could and all that. So I definitely would like to do one at some point, but yeah. I'm sure I'll still be nervous. <laughs> of course. At least 
until you get that first one out of the way and you're yeah, like oh yeah. okay that wasn't that bad that was actually kind of fun and then yeah. you know you get excited for the next that's how that's the mindset i'm trying to have it's like right. just gotta book the first one and do it mm-hmm. and if you fail miserably then you got you can either try again <laughs> or just not do them anymore and stick with yeah, what at least you know. at least you tried it you know you tried it right yeah yeah that's it you, you, you gotta try everything once you exactly. Know, yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll there. do one eventually. Yeah. Yeah. At absolutely, least. man. Uh, okay. Let's talk gear then, since you like the nerdy, nerdy gear talk yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, you play uh, Tama drums. You got a beautiful mm-hmm. Tama Star Classic. Is that a maple? It's actually a Superstar kit. Um, Sup- okay. Tama Superstar Hyperdrive, and it's a birch kit. It's the birch. first like proper kit that I ever got. I got it like seven years ago or something. I definitely would like, I would love to get a star classic. I was looking at one. It was a star classic maple actually, as soon as I got home from this tour, but, um, I opted to get a new snare instead, but, um, I am planning within the next year. I think I'm going to get a new kit finally. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. Definitely still a Tama. Um, Tamas yeah, are I, so good, man. They're yeah. like they're like my my mistress on the side, you know. That I just like secretly, absolutely love Tama, but I play for Mapex, so I'm like, mm. yeah. You're, you're, Every, everybody makes good stuff, you know. Oh. Exactly. Everyone's like high end kits are incredible, but yeah. I had a, a Tama. I think it, it was the Hyperdrive, um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's so sick. Yeah, and it was kind of more of a mid-level kit, I think. So I was just yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about the hyperdrive kits are the like the tom sizes. They're a lot shallower, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. short, so being able to get the toms lower on top of the kick, you know, is pretty yeah. convenient for me. Um, so yeah, I love that kit, and like you said, it is a mid-range kit, and it's just a birch kit, but it's it's served me really well over the years. Every tour I've done, every U.S. tour I've done has been with that kit. Yeah. So um, it's ever, definitely done some work. Do you use a 22-inch kick? Yeah. You ever thought about just using a smaller kick drum so you could have deeper toms? Yeah. Um, actually, the, the one kit that I had, I shouldn't say the one kit, but one of my only kits that I had before this one was like a bop kit with an 18-inch kick. Oh, um, shit. And there was, to- there was one time where I, uh, I had this kit, but I swapped out the kick drums um, so I could get the toms even lower. I don't know. I, I love having a 22 inch kick and, um, mm-hmm. I don't really trigger ever. And I really want to like smack as hard as I can. So I do like having a 22. I have thought about getting a 20. Um, yeah. 20s are nice, man. I've yeah, had twenties for a long time and I, I love them. Yeah, yeah. There have been different times where I've been playing faster stuff, um, where I have triggered the kick, um, in the past. Like I played for a band called Alluvial, and when I did that, I really wanted a 20 inch kick, but, um, cause like, I know it would feel a little, a little better too for the faster stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, optimally, if I got a new kit, I would want to get one that had a 22 and a 20 so that I could swap them out if I needed to, but still have the same finish and the same toms and everything. Yeah. But, uh, one day, you know, one day, one day <laughs> <laughs> you'll be able to afford two different size kick drums. Exactly. Kick drums are I w- so I expensive, man. I know. Especially <sighs> I've, I've looked at the star classic maple ones and, uh, yeah, that would be tough. Even if I had a deal with Tama, I think it would be still expensive, but, um, 
Yeah. I love the Thomas stuff, though. I wouldn't use both yeah. kicks at the same time or anything. That'd be a little goofy. But I just want to uh, have both. <laughs> I th- it could work if you have a separate pedal set up off to the side. So you have your double yeah, pedal yeah, on on one and then you have a separate one on the I've other seen, one. Yeah, I've, I've seen like some funk guys do shit like that where like yeah. certain songs they have like the lower kick and certain ones they have the punchier one. Yeah. But, uh, For any double yeah. kick, you use the 20. So it's yeah. like a little just punchier, and then mm-hmm. for any like single kick stuff, you use the twenty two. Right, right. You know, maybe good I work. will do it. Maybe good I will. work, man. Yeah, <laughs> like a recording session, it would be kind of be really cool for true. But live, I think it would just be way too it, much gear to haul around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. set up and everything. That'd be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. Okay, one of the questions that everybody wants me to ask every single time and they just like punish me with it is they always want to know people's pedal settings okay so first what type of pedals do you use you obviously use a a double pedal not two singles uh and then i guess like spring tension pedal heights whatever you feel is necessary yeah yeah, everybody's just like, what? Is, what are their pedal settings? I need to know. I'm like, it doesn't yeah, really matter because everybody's different. I but know. No, no, we're man. metal drummers. We got to talk about the pedal settings. You got to, man. How does he play so fast and consistent? Yeah. yeah. So um, what do you got going on on your feet? Sure. Um, well, I use Thomas Speed Cobras. I use the, the 910 one or whatever. I guess like the, the higher end Speed Cobra, I guess. I know they have like a, a lower end one. But yeah, I use that one. I have two sets actually, because I love to have like on tour. I'll have like a practice pad kit that I warm up on, and then I have my other set at my actual kit on stage. But um, yeah, I have the spring tension maxed out, so all the way tight. But I have the beaters like as far back as they can go without like smacking my foot, because I still want to hit super hard. Um, trying to think of what else I could say. I, I, I have like the footboard at kind of like a normal height. I don't have them. I, I definitely don't have the beaters close to the head or the footboard like super low, mm-hmm. but not, I don't have the footboard as high as it can go. I have done that before. I'd say the footboard's just at a pretty neutral position, but the beaters are pretty far back so I can hit hard. Yeah. Max spring tension. Mm-hmm. I use the uh, trick drive shaft on it. Nice. Um, nice. I like that a little more than the the stock one. It ju- it mm-hmm. basically just makes like the left pedal just like the right one, kind of. You know, if yeah. you do the the kind of beater trick where you grab both and pull them back and see how they bounce. If you have that trick drive shaft on there, it uh pretty pretty much makes them the same. Um, yeah, that's really it. With the speed yeah. curves, there's not a ton of like it's they're not like the trick Pro One Vs or like the ACD pedals where you can like edit every little thing um i'm definitely a nerd about gear and stuff but i'm not the nerdiest guy (laughs) when it comes to pedal settings and stuff i definitely have fucked with them a good bit over the years but nowadays i kind of as long as the spring tension is maxed out and i can get like a good stomp on them then i'm pretty happy i think yeah man like i use the trick dominators which is like their lower level of the pro and right. it pretty much has the exact same like um like the same spring and everything like the compression spring yeah and i upgraded the footboards and 
all of that. So it's basically a Pro 1V pedal now. Okay. But like I absolutely love them. Just just because I can tweak the spring tension like on a whim. Like yeah. I the usually way- have them pretty much maxed out anyways. Right. But yeah. I love how easy it is to adjust stuff on those pedals. That yeah. is one thing like on more standard pedals like that all the different drum companies have, I feel like even just adjusting the spring tension, you have to like get down on the floor and like use both hands to get every little thing. But on the tricks, yeah. on the all those higher end pedals, it's just like a little knob and everything and you can get it dialed in. I have thought about going to a direct drive pedal. Like I've thought about the Tama Dynasynchs that came out a couple years ago, which kind of seemed like just a direct drive version of the Speed Cobra. A little yeah. different, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. I have thought about that. But I've used the Speed Cobras for so long. So I don't know. If it works, it works. You yeah. know, like that's that's it. Like I switched to direct drive like 12 years ago and I won't go okay. back. Do you right? feel like, like I know that direct drive surely helps with speed focused stuff, but do you feel like it helps with like timing, like, like precision? Like, do you feel like since it's such a more like smooth hit, do you feel like, you know, like your mind to body type thing where like the exact moment that you want to put your foot down and hit your kick drum, do you feel like that's easier on a direct drive pedal than it would be on a chain drive pedal? So I've thought about that. I feel like it is. <laughs> I know that's I don't like a, know it's a if, weird question. If it if it is or it isn't, but yeah. just because it's all just metal pieces, link, there's no chain. Even though the the chain doesn't really there's no leg on it, really. Yeah, but you know, like but, sometimes like depending on how you're going on like a chain drive pedal, sometimes like the footboard will kind of come up and like catch itself a little bit yeah. on the chain. That yeah, doesn't yeah. happen on a direct drive pedal. And, like, no. it doesn't really happen. And, like, at, at this point, like, my technique is built around playing chain drive pedals, so it doesn't inconvenience me ever. But, um, I don't know, I guess I just wonder sometimes, like, oh, would, I ha- would my timing be better on a direct drive pedal? Like, would I have an easier time? Because it's like, yeah, like, playing faster, like or, like, being able to play faster is always a plus. But, like, my main thing past few years has just been like, I want my timing to be like as good as it can possibly be. So I've wondered yeah. about direct drive pedals, I guess. Yeah. But well, I don't know. I've been, I've been playing them for 12 years, so I haven't played on a chain drive pedal right. in quite some time, but I'm all about them, man. I, Sick. I love them. Yeah. I want to get a new pair. I don't know what to go for though, because mine are mine are getting old, like twelve years with the same okay. set of pedals. Even with the upgrades and stuff, I'm like, uh, you know, mm. I, I I don't know about going to Axis. Uh, I hear great things about them, but the the ACD ones, man, the Darwin yeah. pedals are just. They're I played on. Crazy. I played on uh, Bryce Butler's set when he was in town last year, and I was like, man, I could fly on these things like those they, are they're so yeah. smooth they seem kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. i've tried i tried their drive shaft and it was really sick too i mean it pretty similar to the trick one honestly but um yeah but yeah those pedals are insane really yeah. both those companies trick and um acd seem to be like really at the forefront of of pedal technology, <laughs> pedal um, technology. but uh 
Yeah, no, no. I mean, honestly, I feel like Axis is so much more lightweight, so it probably would feel quite different if you did switch to them. I almost feel like upgrading fully to the Pro One Vs might be the move, but I don't know. You got to feel yeah. it out, you know. I had a buddy selling his, a, a pair of his. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll hit him up again, see how much he wants for. <laughs> it might be worth it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Right now, I'm just gonna stick with. It. I don't got. I got tours coming up and stuff. I don't got money yeah. to spend on new battles. And, and, and you're used to them. You're used to the Dominators. So yeah, why, why not? If if they if they great. still work, then you know, just keep using them. Yeah, yeah. Same with you. Just keep keep going with the Speed Cobras, man. If it works, it works. Yeah. I'm so a, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. There's. I guess there's no way to upgrade your pedals right now to a direct drive. Well, it's funny. ACD did used to have a Speed Cobra upgrade, um, like direct drive upgrade pack. Mm-hmm. But then I think the dude at ACD, I think his name's Dennis. I think yeah. he like realized he didn't like it and stopped selling it. But then they did come up with like a spring upgrade system that works on the Speed Cobras. And I did try that. But then I like broke one of the springs. And I'm not I'm not knocking ACD at all. I think their stuff is great, but yeah. um, I never break my Speed Cobra springs. And breaking a spring to me is like I just can't have that happen, especially live. So um, I just kept using yeah. the Speed Cobra springs. But I, but I'm sure if I did have like I don't know if those are the same springs that they use on the ACD pedals or not. I'm sure if I had like a full set of the Darwins or any of them, that it would be dope. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I know that there are some upgrades that you can do for the Speed Cobras, like spring upgrades, drive shaft upgrades. But yeah, upgrading, like switching the chain to a direct drive thing, I think would be a little bit tough since the pedal isn't built around it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, okay, cool. Let's... Oh, hold on. Last thing. <laughs> yeah. So you play Minel sticks, uh, yeah. the heavy two Bs. That's right. Is do they have just a regular two B and then the heavy ones? Is no, or is it just the heavy two Bs? Yeah, yeah. Like their their five B stick is called a heavy five B, and then their two B is a heavy two B. I I mean I, I think they maybe have a variation on a five B and a five A. They have a good few sticks. They have like a few different signature models. Like Luke Holland has a stick with them. Yeah. Um, a few different guys. But yeah, the only 2B type stick is the heavy 2B. I do think they have like a couple like concert band sticks, like a like an SD1 or something like that. That's like similar in size to a 2B, but then like the tip is like a ball tip. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I I used to nerd out really hard on like different stick sizes and stuff like that. Always kind of in the range of a 2B. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, but um, I like the minor ones a lot. If they did put out something a little bit thicker, I would probably try it at least. But I don't, I don't know if I would want to go thinner. But, yeah, yeah, I'm there too. Like it took me a while to get comfortable with the two Bs. Yeah, and now they almost are starting to feel a little too thin. Yeah. Like, I kind of want something a little bigger, but the only... Because I play for Los Cabos drumsticks, and the only thing they make that is kind of bigger is their rock sticks, but they're longer. And I don't think yeah. I want any, any more length, but I want something just a little thicker, and I don't want to go concert band 
yeah, size because that's uh, just way too much. I did a couple tours alongside that band Fallujah and their drummer mm-hmm. Andrew was using Los Cabos and uh, I think he used like their marching stick. Yeah. And that that guy is fast and he hits hard. He's like, when it comes to the death metal stuff, I feel like he's one of the absolute best because he doesn't just tap, you know, he still smacks his drums, but he's also still like unrealistically fast and yeah. consistent. Um, and yeah, somehow he was playing those huge fucking sticks. Um, I know Spencer, yeah, I, Spencer from uh, Archspire. He's a marching band stick guy too. Yeah, I've, I've toured yeah. with him too. I think yeah. when I toured with him, he was using the metal stick that Vic Firth makes, which is also uh-huh. a, li- a little too long for my liking. It's like 17 inches. Mm-hmm. But I did used to use the Vic Firth rock stick, which is like 16 and a half, maybe like a tiny bit longer than that. And that's kind of where the minor ones are too. And I like that size. Like I six j- straight at 16 is a little short for me. So like yeah. 16 and a half somewhere around there. I, I like a lot. Yeah. I think the Lost Cowboys ones are 16.3 or something like that. Okay. So like just over 16. Yeah. See, I, I'm a big nerd about stick size. <laughs> and yeah. I like, I can talk about that shit all day. I don't know why. I used to spend so much time looking at different companies' websites and looking at the specs and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm always fucking around with different stuff for sure. Yeah, man. I, but I love the minor ones. Yeah, I love I love the two Bs though. And the the Lost Cabos ones are great. Um I might try and switch to their red hickory. Cause everybody's all about the red hickory and like yeah. in death metal and stuff. Um, Is it more durable or something? Yeah, it's definitely it's a it's a denser wood. So I think that is what Dave Rookie was using in Europe. Yeah. It was like it might have yeah. been the rock stick actually. And it, it would have been the rock one. rock red hickory, I think is what he yeah. uses. Yeah. So I'm I'm I got have to place an order soon. So I might yeah, try see, I might get a brick of them and just commit. Yeah. And just that's it. I gotta use them. Yeah, I feel I love when other metal guys are using bigger sticks because I don't know, I'm not trying to be a hater or be like a like, come on, dude, man up or anything like yeah, that to yeah, anybody. Yeah. But like when I see somebody using way too small sticks, but like playing like heavy stuff, like not even that fast, you know, I get mm-hmm. it. If you're like playing insanely fast, it's hard to use a huge stick, but I, if you're playing, I, would, I would say that the opposite of that, right. I've heard people talk about that too. I've played fast stuff and still used a 2B. Um, I don't know. Cause it almost like gets more momentum, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause like even, uh, Bryce, butler he uses the um the rock sticks yeah and that, that's a, the biggest one they have and dave uh mcgraw from cattle decap uses two b's yeah you know like all the fastest guys that i know all use like big ass sticks yeah there are a couple guys that use small ones but yeah i always feel like like alex rudinger too that was another thing like i mentioned Mm-hmm. you know like that's he was the guy that f- where i first noticed like oh i should hit rim shots oh i should change my drum heads i think it it was also him and like a noob sastry and like travis orban where i i noticed like oh these guys are all using huge sticks and yeah. that's why their drums sound so good um yeah. and also they just last longer you know like if you're hitting hard rim shots you're probably gonna break sticks so um having a oh, thicker yeah. stick helps for sure I couldn't imagine if I was still using five B's, how many sticks I'd go through. Seriously, man. Like, I don't know how, I mean, but there are some guys out there that just don't break as many sticks. I don't know. I break them like crazy. 
but yeah. I'm, I like go out of my way to hit as hard as I can and stuff like that. So <laughs> that's why it sounds so good, man. You got I, yeah, it. I feel like it is, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's shift back to touring a bit since, uh, you know, you're doing a lot of it in the last yeah. couple of years and everything. I'm curious if there's any, um, type of diet you like to stick to uh is that like a big thing i know a lot of guys uh what they eat they're very 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 concerned about you know everything they're consuming in that manner in order to play and be like physically uh well on on the road do you have any kind of like diet that you stick to and kind of religious about or is it kind of free for all and you're eating donuts every day and you know yeah um i'm not like strict strict but i do like like i try to eat a banana every day you know i try to eat like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna eat pizza like before i play probably stuff like that bad idea yeah (laughs) i mean after the show i'll like do whatever and yeah but um yeah my whole mindset i mean i'm still young i think i have a pretty high metabolism so could change when I get older, but mindset, my mindset since like maybe 2019, like, like I try to eat a solid amount of like healthy things early in the day. And then after that, I kind of just stop caring because I'm like, okay, I ate all that stuff. I'm, I can like my, like for dinner, I can probably eat whatever I want. It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, so like at home, I always make a smoothie and stuff like that always try to have a banana. I, you know, put a banana in the smoothie. Always. So, yeah. yeah. That's how it's done. But on tour, that's a lot harder to do. But, uh, with invent animate, we always like stop for breakfast just about every day, which, which I really enjoy, not just because I get to eat a little bit better, but, um, it's just nice to do that with the guys before we get to the venue, you know, like actually make an effort to stop and have a meal together. Cause I've done a lot of tours with different bands where, you know, you kind of just grind it out and then like figure it out after you load in, like, and you individually, like maybe you'll go together, maybe you won't and you'll go find something to eat at the beginning of the day. But, um, we're kind of like strict about like, we have to stop and get breakfast. You know, we all (laughs) care a lot about that. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that helps a lot. Like I try, I try to eat eggs if I can. Um, and yeah, and I always try to have bananas with me and, uh, Lately, we've been having like a veggie tray on our rider. So that's normally in the green room and I'll try to snack on that here and there. So like I try to not eat super heavy after breakfast, I guess. Like I'll eat breakfast and then kind of snack before, like like leading up to the set. And then normally as soon as I'm done playing, I'm like dying to eat something. Right. I don't know. I, I try not to play hungry, but um, by the time I'm done breaking down and everything, I'm normally ready to eat. Oh, and yeah. uh, and I I just try to like drink a shit ton of water. Like years ago, I think also in 2019, there was this one show where I like maybe an hour before the set, I like realized like I've like barely drank any water at all today. And um, it was like a super DIY show. There were no water bottles at the venue. So I just like got a glass of water from the bar, had like one or two of those. And then I felt like I played so bad because I was just ex- like my arms just like, couldn't do it um it wasn't a train wreck but it definitely was not where i wanted it to be but um then since then i've kind of just been like okay i need to like religiously drink water especially if i'm playing anything demanding like anything fast um 
yeah, I just chug water throughout the day, kind of, especially when I'm warming up and stuff like that. Yeah, you got to stay hydrated, man. It's key. Yeah, it, yeah, your it matters just, a lot. Your muscles don't function properly if you're dehydrated. So, yeah, yeah. does caffeine play a, a, a role in your life at all? Yeah, I rarely will go a day without caffeine. I, I'll have mm-hmm. coffee at the beginning of the day or like with my first meal. It's the same way at home, but uh, Keaton from Invent Animate, him and I have gotten very nerdy about coffee on the last tour or two. Um, we always try to find like the best coffee spot. Nice. Um, yeah. Doing that on tour has made me like start going to this other coffee shop here at home instead of making coffee for myself. So that's been a little bit bad for my wallet maybe, but I'm just like, oh, this yeah. place is so good. Um, I want to get better way. at making it. Yeah. yeah. I don't drink coffee at home. Like at the studio, okay. I have just like a shitty Keurig because like late right. nights and stuff like that, I need something. But mm-hmm. there's a coffee shop that I'll I'll walk to like, you know, it's like a, a 10, 15 minute walk and I'm glad to do it. Just, yeah. just get a nice cup of coffee. It's like an experience going in there and like, I don't know, watching them make it for you. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the, if the vibe is right in the coffee shop and then the coffee's good. I just, I love that. But, um, I used to not give a shit. Like I would drink the shittiest gas station coffee, whatever on tour. Yeah. As long as I had caffeine, I was happy. But now I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to. I mean, I'll still put up with something if I have to, like I try mm-hmm. to have some kind of caffeine. If there's nothing available on tour, you know, I'll, drink what i got but um i'm slowly becoming a little bit more of a purist i think unfortunately yeah. fortunately and unfortunately the last um u.s tour we did like i never when i was touring the u.s before i'd get gas station coffee all the time and i never yeah. had a problem with it and then on this one i'd find myself drinking half of it and being like i don't want I this anymore <laughs> Like, you know, you know what? Just give me a, a, a monster or like a Red yeah, Bull or something instead. That, you know? Yeah, I'll drink the shit out of that. I'm not, I don't want that. Whatever this is, doesn't do anything for me. I know, yeah. it's weird. I, before I started drinking coffee, I would drink energy drinks all the time. Um, then I started strictly drinking coffee. And then maybe like two years ago, I guess like COVID happened and then touring came back. And I would still drink coffee a lot, but I would like let myself drink energy drinks too if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For some reason now, like it wasn't until maybe like three or four months ago, I'm just like not okay with the shittier coffee anymore. <laughs> or I, sh- I shouldn't say I'm not okay with it, but it's like, I care more. I'm like yeah. a little more disappointed than I would have been in the past. But yeah, yeah I'll, t- I'll take an energy drink instead. If it, if it, if the coffee's that bad, I'll be like, okay, I'll buy this monster that's probably going to give me cancer or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, um, we're, I'll drink we're, it. We're all going to get cancer anyways. I man. know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're all going to die in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. I I drink way too many energy drinks because I just they like, taste so good, dude. I, <sighs> like, dude, I got this one, uh, which is the peachy keen. I like the monster. One. When yeah. they came out with this, I dude, it was like I was throwing parties and celebration. This stuff is so good. I love. I it. love. I love peach flavored stuff. Um, I live yeah. in Georgia, where the peach state, so That's I gotta right. represent it. Have you tried the uh, Pipeline Punch Monster, the pink one? I think I've tried it, but I only go for zero sugar. Okay, once. respect. Yeah, that's it. I try to keep my sugar intake as low as possible. 
So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I was eating. That's way probably too a good way sugar. to do it. That's yeah. probably a good way to consume energy drinks. Yeah, zero sugar, and then I just eat donuts on the side, and that's my sugar. <laughs> there <laughs> that's you go. My sugar there. I Dude, love donuts too. Yeah. That that was our thing on this last tour was like finding donut shops. You know, I love that too. I feel like. I've like noticed more recently how many donut shops there are in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I see so many and I never go in them. Yeah. Um, but Just whenever go in, I man. go yeah, in, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's grab one. You know, it's all good. Whenever, whenever there's a good opportunity to buy some donuts though, I feel like I do. I love donuts more, more than the average person. I think dude. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. Big time. And like, I've noticed I'm vegan. So like oh, sick. it's, I I love donuts so much and so many donut shops now have like specific vegan donuts even if it's not all vegan it's like all right yeah. we have these like six different ones that are and I'm like fucking dope then they're I've always noticed great that. Yeah, yeah we went on one of my first tours we went to a Voodoo Donuts in Portland yeah, yeah that's yeah, the they, original yeah yeah I mm-hmm. had a a couple vegan donuts there that were awesome yeah we went there and we also went to the one in San Antonio. Okay, I haven't been to that one. Yeah, yeah, it's sick. sick. So, yeah, I love that place. Yeah. We went to a whole bunch of other ones, too. But it's like when we were touring in, in Europe and stuff, we'd always go, like, walk into all the pastry shops. Yeah, that's... When you're walking around. That's and another thing that Keaton and I have been doing a lot, especially in mm-hmm. Europe. Just yeah. different pastry shops. Oh yeah, the pastries in Europe and they're everywhere, like in Spain and stuff. Like, walk down the street and you're walking past like six of them. And you want to go into every one and and try something different. Yeah, you know, oh, pastries and like donuts. That's that's the shit. That's yeah, the midday I, snacking instead of lunch. You have <laughs> breakfast and then pastry pastries and then you have dinner after the set. Right. That's yeah, it. I'll I'll let myself have like maybe one little sweet thing like that early in the day, but um. But yeah, like I said, after I play, I'll, I'll let myself do whatever. I'll, yeah, I'll go crazy yeah, on some of that yeah. shit. Sick. Uh, okay, uh, we should probably wrap this up. We've been going for about an hour. So, Sick. Uh, yeah, there's like 18 other questions that I have, but it's okay. We'll skip to the last thing uh, I've asked a number of our guests this, but your this is pretend land. Your uh, studio or wherever you keep all your gear is on fire and you only have time to bring one thing out. Do you have one piece of gear that is so either sentimental to you or like you just like can't replace it? Or is there any one thing that you can think of that is, is closest to your heart as far as your, what gear you have can be anything. Damn. Um, well, I just got, a new snare. It's the Tama John Tempesta signature snare. Nice. And it's dope. I just got it. It was pretty expensive, so I feel like if it happened right now, I would probably grab that. Yeah. But um But if it if you asked me this a week ago, I don't know. Does my computer count? It can count, yeah. I, that's yeah, a boring answer, had, though. That's a boring answer. I, I would I, grab We've my got computer. that answer before, and it's like, ah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I won't say that. Like, um, don't you have don't you have things backed up? You know, yeah, like, exactly. you can replace a computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I am a pretty sentimental guy. I love 
having all kinds of stuff from tour. I always frame my tour posters, stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, sentimental gear. I mean, I love my Meinl 22-inch Byzance Heavy Hammer Ride, but I've only had that thing for like a year and a half. And I don't, even, I don't even use it all the time. It is um, a sick ride, though. Yeah, it's like my favorite yeah. ride ever. It doesn't so quite dope. work for Invent Animate, though. It's like a little too death metal. Oh, but, is um, it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the... It's not only for death metal, but, you know, it's like... Yeah. That thick ride. Like, you can't really crash on it at all, and, like, yeah. the bell is just insane. But I love that ride. I would hate to see that die in a fire. But, yeah. um... Sorry, I'm trying to think. I mean, my drum kit is pretty sentimental. Like, I was talking about getting a new kit. Eventually, I don't think I would sell this one, even though yeah. I'd probably not use it that much after. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I can grab my whole drum kit in the case of a fire. Yeah, I just pick the whole thing up and carry it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'm looking around here. Yeah, I don't know. Probably the ride. The ride or my current snare that I just got. Um uh, stuff a few well, of those got, things you got two hands so yeah. ride in the, one yeah, the snare, snare in the, the other, other. Exactly. okay all I'm right probably, i'm probably forgetting something super important in my life that i would let die <laughs> uh, but oh well that's what happens <laughs> yeah awesome man all right uh so what do you got coming up as far as tours you got a tour in the uh fall in september right yeah it's uh invent animate it's our first proper headlining tour it's the heavener tour that's september october we're bringing out um void of vision throne and aviana um so yeah i'm very very excited about that that'll be the first time i've ever done like a a real full u.s um headlining tour so i'm a little nervous but uh pretty stoked yeah. And then right right before that, end of end of August, early September, we're doing like four shows in Australia with We Came as Romans. So that'll be dope. That'd be sick, at, man. As yeah. of right now, that's that's everything that's announced. Leading up to that, I'm just keeping busy with a little bit of session work and stuff like that. Um, working on a little bit of new Invent Animate stuff with the guys. But yeah, that's, that's about it with me. And people... Are you accepting um, like people to hire you for drum session work and stuff like that? Do you have any like s- specific way that people can contact you if they are looking to hire you? Yeah, I'm not strict about it, but um, I am open to people contacting me for that kind of thing. Um, just a DM on Instagram or a, a message on Facebook. or If you want to, you can email me at brodytaylorsmith at gmail.com. But uh, yeah, I do a ton of like drum programming and full recording session work sometimes. Um, just depends on like scheduling and budget, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up for that, feel free. Awesome, man. All right. Well, Brody, thank you very much for coming on the We're Talking Drums podcast. It's been a thank pleasure you, talking to you, man. You too, man. For real, I enjoyed it. Oh,